0: This is One Heat Minute.
1: A drop of a hat, these guys were rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne You look like gang bangers, working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery, homicides, take me out. Give me all you got! This and Give me, you me, all got! me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best, trying to stop guys like me.
0: A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and joining me today is uh, a film writer, a TV writer and producer, uh, and... One of my dear friends and a great yammerer on about classic movies and just movies in general. And I wanted her on the show desperately, mainly because we're good at nattering about films. Um, her name is Lisa Malouf. Lisa, thank you so much for being part of One Heat Minute.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Looking forward to this. Great <laughs> fun. So, Lisa, what I've started to do now right up front is go like, tell me what your history is with Heat. And what I'm loving, I know the answer to this question already, but tell the li- people listening your history with Heat.
1: All I'd heard about Heat is the last, what, five or so years I've known you, I've heard you talk, you mention Heat all the time and I knew it was your favourite film. Get in on
0: that mic, Lise, get in on that mic. But
1: I (laughs) hadn't seen it myself. So I first watched it a week or two ago. So I've watched it once right through (laughs) and I've watched it once more just up to my minute and (laughs) I've watched my minute a couple of times and that's it. So I don't have the history that you do, but uh, we'll see.
0: so what what 's great about Lisa and I'm, and you 're absolutely going to hear it when we dive into this minute is Lisa is an obsessive, so when I 've told Lisa that we 're going to do a couple of minutes of the show i I know she 's gone and watched these minutes thousands of times, and i can 't wait to see her perspective and how she 's looked at it. But guys, we are at the fifty third minute of heat, and you know what i 'm going to apologize because there is a car crash of heat minutes that are happening around now we 've got lots of guests coming on if there's a minute double up. I'm sorry in the head office admin of One Heat Minute that it's Blake Howard's fault that there's a double up of minutes, but thank you so much um, to all the guests that have come on, and especially Lisa. So we are at the 53rd minute, and now I've even heard whispers from two different guests of the show that sometimes they say, Blake, the different versions of Heat that are out there, they do not match up and sync up with your minutes. So right now on the 170-minute classic theatrical version of Michael Mann's version of Heat. Oh, don't worry, that was mine one of my phones going off um on that version of heat we are now at exactly 52 minutes zero seconds the 53rd minute of heat coming up um the freeze frame on the screen right now is at the drive-in theater we have Val Kilmer in frame we have Robert De Niro in frame and Tom Sizemore Lisa and I are going to watch this minute then we're going to come back and talk about it with you guys hold on to your hats
1: Yeah, Roger Van Zandt. Yeah, who's this? You know what this is. Yes I do, yes I do. I sent a guy to deliver the package. He didn't call, is everything right? Tell you what, forget the money. What? Forget the money. It's a lot of money, what are you doing? What do you mean, forget the money? What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone. I don't understand. Because there was a dead man on the other end of this fucking line. Whoa. Whoa.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a great minute.
1: It is. It is. I, I think I'm lucky. I've got a really good minute.
0: And, um, sorry to go behind the curtain here, um, but one of the things that Lisa said to me, uh, after only having watched the film once, was sort of like, y- you weren't sure about Roger Van Zandt here. You weren't sure if he actually, based on the way that he played it, you weren't sure if he was actually an accomplice in this uh, in this, Well, shooting. watching
1: it first, I just thought, clearly in the previous minute, we saw how his guy is so outclassed by Macaulay's guys. And I just thought if Macaulay's got this rep or his gang's got this rep, I'm just so surprised that he would try and double cross him because it's a death wish to do that. And I was like, is he? Yeah, I just thought this is really a scary thing for him to be doing. So he's clearly shitting himself <laughs> <in>.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, let's let's go back to the very first frame of this. So... The first frame, we've just ended and, you know, this is where you don't, you don't have to worry too much in one heat minute about having to talk uh, forward and back. You can't, it's impossible to talk about the minute you're talking about unless you're talking about the whole film. But we're just ending a pretty furious scene. We're just, Lisa and I, uh, are, are sort of revisiting just in the last couple of seconds before we get to our minute, just these last couple of seconds. And so you've got the guys. They're at, a, they're at an L.A. drive-in. I'm just going to go to my notes to make sure that I've got the drive-in name. So this is actually in LA. There's a great little website I discovered that's got all the locations of famous movies. And like it has like a map of LA that has all the heats locations. And this one is called uh, The Sentinella Drive-In. And it's this old little drive-in there. You can see Treo driving a van. You've got Michael. You've got the whole crew. You've got Neil having inspected this fake satchel of money. And then you got Val holding an assault rifle again, looking fantastic, cutting a a great figure there. And, you know, I think in the previous scene with how not serious Neil was in the phone conversation, I think it plagues you a little bit in the sequence we've just seen before, because you think, oh, he might not be prepared for what's about to come, this guy sneaking behind the car. Does he have the whole crew there?
1: Well, exactly. And then what what really got me is the, and I'll get to this in a minute, the, um, compartmentalization of their lives and the different so we've just c- had big shootout here they're wearing their sort of you know sloppy joes and stuff and they're clearly you know as cool as they are they're sweating <laughs> and in in two seconds we're in the we're in the you know back of house at the restaurant in our suits so they've been showered <laughs> there have been a suit change <laughs> i love like it's just it's a big jump there we
0: jump from Sentinela sentinel drive-in are really crud, you know, cruddy in, in their gym clothes, as Lisa's calling in their sweats. And we get to this, look at this disgustingly opulent 90s slash 80s trashy corporate design.
1: Now, I want to talk about this design bit. First of all, we've got Henry I'm going
0: to Ro- rouse on, Lisa. Get on that mic. Get okay. on that mic. First
1: of all, we've got Henry Rollins like lurking there, just yes. being like tall and wide. And, and massive, And yeah. just being enormous. But we've got this sort of um, ni- mid-90s art. You know what got me was this this um, sculpture here. Yes. This headless sculpture. Now I don't know whether man's putting in something here <laughs> of like you know some sort of um, signs of what's to come. And yeah. But it's very interesting that Van Zant is has his back to us. Yes. And he's in front of that. So. First, when I first wa- that first through when I watched it, I noticed this, and I just thought, while he's sort of shitting <laughs> himself here, he's looking at this headless thing, <laughs> and I, he's trying to act cool. But I just can't imagine what's going through his head.
0: Yeah, and I think I think the the question I would ask you, and I think of a uh, man obsessive all over would be saying to you, Lise, if you know Michael Mann, does he seem like the kind of a hyperactive, fastidious filmmaker that would put some, some sort oh, of sign, <laughs> that sign and detail in there for it. Do you think that that's what it would feel like?
1: I think it would. Yeah, I absolutely I do too. Would. I do too. And uh, um, yeah, I just, I really, um, I, I just love this this design. Like it's just so <laughs> these tacky sort of tacky uh, semi, zebra zebra semi an animal print, and you can just see he's the sort of guy who's probably got his secretary to go out and. Go and buy some modern art or something. He probably knows nothing about art. No. But he's asked them to design it. He's paid for the spick you know, LA interior decorator to get this sorted. But um, it's just
0: And Henry poor Henry Rollins <laughs> lurking there in the corner. Looking absolutely massive. Man does love he, he loves that. He loves it. He's a big fan of music. And so Henry Rollins and Tone Loke are in this movie. And so he's got sort of both both uh, phases of the underground uh, hip-hop slash uh, punk world represented. Um, and so there we are. We've got William Fickner here, great actor. He's been in this role, similar dirtbag sort of role. Chris Nolan cast him in The Dark Knight, basically straight out of this movie, I think.
1: It's, those, it's He's got this great character actor face with the, the, the very defined cheekbones. Mm, and Good cheekbones. There's, he's and very then, and angular. We're,
0: we're at 52, second, 52 minutes and 3 seconds on this one. And the 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 side profile of William Fickner, it's like it's like a caricature. Like his <laughs> hair is, he, his hairline is perfectly like fighting yes. receding, but not. Great cheekbones, you know, very defined chin, angular. He suits this tacky office down to the ground.
1: And no eye contact between the two dudes either.
0: Barely, because I think I think uh, Van Zant, he thinks that he thinks that he's above. You know, even though he's a a guy that's doing some dodgy and criminal things. Clearly. And he, and he, clearly. and he keeps a big muscular and burly Henry Rollins around the place <laughs> just to sort of keep in touch with that criminality. <laughs> I think I think it's, I think, uh, like, he's trying to stay above it. And I think in this moment, like we're going to see the echoes in this moment as the minute goes on. You're going to see what, what happens when he assumes that he's smarter than everyone that he deals with.
1: Now, here, when we jump to the kitchen, I'll tell you what came to mind. What? another film with de niro in it and a different sort of kitchen dynamic but whenever i see back of house i think of goodfellas and i think Great. of ray liotta in that long tracking shot Shut. with uh, lorraine bracco going through <laughs> the whole thing and what i love is it's completely different like in that he go you know he's hi, you know high yeah, ca- giving, giving them you know giving them their tips and walking through and being the man but de niro is just so cool that He's being the man too, to the extent that, in the opposite to the Goodfella situation, these dudes in the kitchen are ignoring him. Like, clearly, they go, <laughs> oh shit, that guy's in again, we'll just do our work. But, all they, and, and a bit later in the minute, we see these kitchen dudes. And it just, it's just that whole thing about these criminal guys in their spick suits, when they're, b- when they're you know, in the um, compartmentalizing their life, when they're in the we're on show and we're being the man situation. And they, just, they can just walk into back of a restaurant. No one blinks an eye.
0: No, and also, you know, this is what's so great about this crew as far as running interference. What's great, it's like 52 minutes, 9 seconds, and it comes in. And you've got De Niro here, and you've got Kilmer right in the frame and looking deadly serious and sort of focusing on here. And when you change the angle in just a second, because you've cut from Van Sant picking up the phone in his office directly to Neil take, making the call, you then see Tom Sizemore um, there's Michael Chorito and you see them and they're like, they're shadowing him. So they know that they know that this is weird. They know it's <laughs> not normal because it's not normal for you or I, Lisa, <laughs> to walk to the back of a restaurant oh, and just start using that. the call. <laughs> I yeah. wish I was that cool to just waltz into the back of a restaurant. But also having worked in an industrial kitchen and things are happening, sometimes people walk in, you know, if you're at a function or something, you know, someone does walk in and ask a question of the chef and you've I been I think there. if
1: a kitchen hand saw these dudes... They will just shut up and keep... Trying. Oh, you I bet your sweet ass like, I would. Look yeah. at
0: how menacing Val yeah. Kilmer's face yeah. looks there.
1: And what I love is, you know, a few minutes ago, Val was, you know, drunk <laughs> on the couch. Yeah. And it's... I just love the way they just switch. They just switch in their different personas and, like, for the precision of shooting to the, you know, cool man in the kitchen here, it's um, it's a big leap. These
0: guys are good. <laughs> They're very good. As As... As Pacino says, they're good. This crew is good. He starts his phone call, Roger Van Zandt. And what do you think about so there's this great I, I, I love this in Figner's performance. And I think this is this this goes to, you know, if you hadn't watched it a few times or you you're you kind of weren't really immersed or engrossed in it. It's that original thing where he answers the phone and he's like, "Oh, there's been a hiccup, but he couldn't possibly pin it on me." And he's just being baited here. What's well, great, so it's like Roger Van Sant, yeah, like, you know, this is Neil McCallie. You know, you know, you know who this you is. You know who it is. You know who it is. He doesn't have to say it's Neil McCauley, He goes, "You know who this is." He's like, "Oh yeah, cool. It's you. Is everything all right?"
1: And he thinks he's going to get away with saying. Sent my guy. You know, sent like, my guy. Is everything alright? He didn't call me, and it's like you know, there's a problem. You know, he knows. You're just clutching at straws. And
0: and what I love is there's a look. So oh, th- with the mouth. Th- so so there's a couple of looks here. I think it's just a perfectly it's it's some great interplay between the different conversations. So you know, it's you know who this is. And he goes, yes, yes, yes. And there's a great 20, 52 minutes, sixteen seconds. Val Kilmer has this unbelievable look to Neil. He's paying attention. It's like Val's trying to be in the conversation as well. And he's reading his face. And he sees this split second when Van Sant starts to go, Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Is everything all right? And you can see Hugh Benny smart enough behind him. Henry Rollins, as we saw rolling 52 minutes, 21 seconds. Henry Rollins is smart enough to be closing the the door.
1: And the hands on the hip too, before he had his hands down, it's like, so there's this some tension here. There's
0: something. Is everything all right? And then what's just wonderful, still sort of cocky, you know, William Fichtner here, his face is quite cocky. He's thinking, oh, these guys aren't going to know it's me. I'm going to act super casual. Then this is what's great. There's, There's a couple of scenes in this movie where De Niro's face is slightly obscured and it's obscuring a massive smile. One of them is when he's shooting vincent and his crew from up on like a crane at the shipyard and he's taking photos of the telephoto lens when he's right, finally just yeah. dis- he's, he's spotted the heat around the corner he's captured them but this scene 52 minutes 25 seconds he's just smiling he's like this cocky prick thinks i've that got he- the rat in
1: the trap <laughs> his tail's stuck and he's trying to talk his way yeah, out of he's it,
0: loving yep. the way that he's trying to and he's like this is what's so beautiful about this next sequence. Because then, then you can see Chris in the background is like, oh, this guy's an idiot. He's dead. But he doesn't have to concentrate anymore. He now run- continues to run interference in the actual restaurant. And he's like, what do what, what you What do you mean? Forget the money. What do you mean? It's a lot of money. What do you mean? <laughs> what are you doing? What am I doing? Oh. Great. 52 seconds. 30, 52, 3, four. What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone.
1: Now, I've got something here. What... What's De Niro's most favourite line?
0: Are you talking to me? Yes. Are you so, ta- <laughs> as
1: soon as he says the word talking, <laughs> even though we're talking, what is it, 20 years prior, Yes. I'm thinking, I mean, is this a little, okay, is this a man nod to Travis Bickle? Because when he, he says talking and he <laughs> says it exactly the same way, it's a different sentence, but when I see De Niro say the word talking, I can't not think of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you make a great point. It's because there's two, m- there's, this, this movie, and I, I, I love how you called it like compartmentalized, because, but it's also what are these guys doing at exactly the same time? And so for me, what it is, it's this weird thing that happens where you get a guy, two amazing, incredible 1970s actors basically define the era and of perfo- method performance who are able to in- inhabit characters in ways that people had never seen before. And you get them at the peak of their powers in 1995, about two decades after, they're just sort of, you know, tremendous performances, great resumes, not too many great performances after this. (laughs) And uh, I think it's like, it's a weird parallel where you have two guys who are so good at inhabiting these characters, but they wouldn't be the characters if they didn't have the shadow of the performer. And so I think that that's one thing I, I love is that when performers can carry their entire career shadow into a performance it's like i would argue one of the great westerns of all time is unforgiving clint eastwood's oscar winning best picture and that film and his performance in that film is loaded with three decades back when he
1: was what 30 yeah
0: it's three decades of western performances so when you see this broken down mad dog mean son of a bitch um william money get his ass kicked and then resort back to his hard drinking and terrible whirlwind tornado self it means so much more sorry th- that don't worry it's not an ambulance in the one eight minute podcast it's just <laughs> sydney um but no so a- and that's what i think about with him and these two performances and this collision so i think you're totally right i think it's sometimes it's impossible to separate um and i wouldn't put nods like that past man but i also think it's the way that he it's that's that's a De Niro tick what am i doing he loves if you ask you watch a great de niro thing that he does and it's about listening morgan freeman does it too um in in a different tact morgan freeman does this weird thing where in some movies you'll notice that he pretends he doesn't hear the actor who says a line to him and he makes them repeat the line whereas de niro says if someone asks him a question he often says the question back to them and then answers the question
1: so do you think actually he's Ad-libbing in some of the films, then, or do you think that's in the in the screenplay?
0: No, I I think it's definitely a him thing. Uh What am I doing? Because, like, I, like, it could definitely that line. I wouldn't. I I think it suits the character, but it wouldn't. It doesn't surprise me if he just ad-libbed the beginning bit.
1: Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, Because the more
0: clinical bit is to go. What, like, I'm talking to an empty telephone. Because there's a dead man on the end of this fucking line. But I love that he's like, what am I doing? Sure. <laughs> I'm tell you, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and the inference is, what am I doing?
1: Yeah.
0: I'm talking to an empty telephone. Yeah.
1: And what you said, like with Clint Eastwood and like De Niro, and I would say, as you said, I have to bring everything back to classic films. Good. You look at Jimmy Cagney yeah. and you look at all his gangster stuff or Edward G. Robinson, that sort of era. And, you know, with Cagney, there's a... There's a bit of DNA from all his past performances in his latter ones. Great way and to put it. You know, even if he's doing Yankee Diddle Dandy and he's dancing, there's, you know, smut money or one of those other ones from like twenty years prior there's there's the gangster bit from mm. earlier films. And this is and this is why, yeah, I just I see Taxi Driver twenty years before. Yeah,
0: you do. Yeah, but, um, but that's that's the rawness of both these guys. Yeah. It's that when they yeah. really that is my stupid phone. It's annoying me. I'm sorry. Um this yeah I think it's 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 definitely both it's both what both these guys can do it's it's and the ebbs and flows um i I just I think uh Alvagina also suffers the problem of his voice kind of breaking later in his career and becoming a bit more grizzled because you can't notice it as pronounced, but you know some of his outbursts you know if he if he still had that same young fresh voice, it would sound more like you know, Dog Day Afternoon, or it would sound more like oh. Godfather 2, and it wouldn't sound like Scent of a Woman, for example. It w- You know, it wouldn't sound like those guys, but I- he's, he's doing, they they're both got, they've both got some tools and techniques, and they probably just have more tools in their toolbox than any other actor.
1: Oh. A- and the other, th- I know we don't, you know, we don't get to um, have Pacino in our minute here, but... There's something he's he's there's he's, sim- he's around. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Well, he's certainly yes. He's God's eye view actually, but we won't spoil it. <laughs> two minutes away. But
0: the um, get the right up in there. The English. thing about the there thing about is. him,
1: what I what I think's what I think's amazing is you've got the. I mean, arguably, what's a good guy? What's a ga- you know, what's a bad guy? But you've got the cop guy. Is so we've got the bad guy here, who's so cool and doesn't uh, bring up a sweat, and then you've got. Pacino, who's sort of, like, jumpy. I mean, still, obviously, like, consummate cop, all the stuff, you know, like, on the ball, barking orders, doing all his stuff. But it's funny that we've got this, here's Mr. Cool Carbon Collected, and then we've got this sort of, like, jump, we've got a jumpy cop, and that's opposite of what you often get, and that's what's so clever about it. Yes. And that's why, yeah, these, these guys together, it's just perfect.
0: And this kitchen, this yes, kitchen back same. to the kitchen. Back yes. to the kitchen. These guys in the kitchen, not saying too much.
1: And the smirk on his face—it's
0: just—and this is one of my favourite. Was when he goes, "What, what am I do I'm talking to an empty telephone." There's a dead man on the end of this line. What is so great, and you just talked about it, as far as manner, is the way that he hangs the phone up. It is cool as a cucumber. One finger, blop. Too easy. Like squashing know. an ant. Yeah, just, just. It's not, there's no slamming, there's no pomp and circumstance.
1: And the Siggy here. Siggy in the background. Look, if you
0: were comfortable in the 90s, sorry, if you're familiar, 90s kitchens allowed smoking. (laughs) 90s everything allowed smoking. But even
1: if it wasn't allowed, these guys could do what they wanted. Yeah, he could do what they want. What I'm wondering is, where's Treo while this is happening? Because he was in the car earlier, you know, they went off and had their showers and everything. And we're going (laughs) to see him in the restaurant, you know, next. Yes. Are you assuming that he's somewhere in the kitchen, or is he elsewhere? Do you no, think? No,
0: Treo's with Tra- If Treo's anywhere, he's with the family, keeping an eye on the girls, or he's at the kitchen door.
1: Well, okay, because he's clearly not here. No, yeah, because
0: we've got they're they're covering his line of sight. Neil yep. had his back. Val's watching this way. Yep. you know, Torito's right next to him, covering him up, looking, covering the other way. Making sure that no one's listening to the conversation.
1: Because at first we only saw Val, didn't we, it Like, w- yeah. When it panned out, when then it we out. saw that they were both.
0: Yeah. Good. When when we go to that next next layer of a shot, it's there.
1: And then there's to see from sweats to suits. Look at the and if it, and also look at Val's ponytail. It's all slicked back. It it's was beautiful. He's in the shootout. <laughs> he's he's put the brill cream on. It's all cool. It's
0: beautiful. And then, this is where. Fifty-two minutes forty-seven seconds. William Fickner... He d- his face dies a thousand deaths
1: oh yes oh yes
0: in this sequence just
1: his lip there's a slight there's just this sort of semi quiver he's trying to be cool but he knows he's a dead man
0: and it's this is such a superb um and it's they've done it with him in this film he's got that beauty is he, an angular dude you know yes. even in the beginning yes. of the scene he's shot to be angular the uh, the, the lighting is really pronouncing jaw, cheekbones, features, and, and he doesn't... The cut
1: of his suit, even. The cut angel, of his suit is yes. nice. He <laughs>
0: doesn't look sallow or anything like that, but when, when you look at this sequence, it's like it's being lit from maybe a really harsh, like, street light out the door or just one remaining, you know, halogen light. And he looks, you know, skeletal in Mm -hmm. this just second, in this frame. So you've got this big, strong, like, dark presence of Henry Rollins and his, you know, very sort of military-looking cut in the background. And you've got this guy who just looks a picture of weakness right now, where he's been so confident and cocky and barely make eye contact. And when you stare into his eyes, 52 minutes, 47 seconds, it looks like his soul has just been crushed.
1: And speaking of the eyes, in the production design here, he has a beautiful colour of eye. It's sort of a a bluey green it's a very interesting color yes. he has lovely eyes now the wall yeah, matches it's green. his eye color yeah, and, 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 and
0: and his suit his suit collar there at the bottom too is like the suit collar bringing out his eye color the green of the wall yeah it's like it's, it's
1: like just as a production design still that's yeah. a beautiful shot the colour, the co- and, uh, and I'm sure that's not coincidental. I'm, not <laughs> I'm sure man, and the production designer had all this you know, it's a, it really beautiful because mm-hmm. he's got very piercing eyes. Yeah. And if you compare, Henry Rollins got these big black eyes, very, very dark, dark eyes. Yes. And even in this shot, he's a little sort of almost out of focus. So, there's a big distinction here. Yeah,
0: there's a nice contrast. And so, this is the other reminder, guys. Dante Spinotti is the cinematographer behind Heat. He's being a cinematographer for many years and done a stack of films with Michael Mann, but in two, in, you know, within a couple of years, he was a cinematographer for Heat in 1995 and then went and did LA Confidential with Curtis Hansen in oh. 1997. So, a stunning <laughs> cinematographer, um, and two different, very different LAs, but, um, you know, very Spinotti, both of them, just beautiful, classical looking LA. And so, we've only got about 13 seconds left, and it's like, in these 13 seconds, William Fichtner. Yeah.
1: And look, Henry and, and Henry's looking at him. And looking is like he's sort of doing something with his lips, like he's almost about to speak, but just doesn't. He's waiting. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think, I think Hugh Benny. This is. I think Roland does. You know, quite well in this as a guy who looks like he's from the street. Like he's meant to. In my mind, he's a guy who's meant to look like he doesn't belong. He's trying.
1: He's the <laughs> he, mu- well. He's like the hired. Mu- I see him the as muscle. the hired muscle. Absolutely. And he's just, yeah.
0: He's the muscle. He's trying to make it. But what I love here is like he's waiting because he, he's probably seen Fickner try <laughs> this on before with other people.
1: Who aren't as smart uh, as Macaulay. And he's outclassed himself. Or who aren't as deadly. <laughs> yeah, yes. And he's outclassed himself and he's, oh, shit, what have I done? What yes, have I done? Yes.
0: And he comes around. And, and he,
1: this look, this is look. where just, yeah, I love that And he's ma- he does these things with his mouth where it's sort of not properly open, just... Uh, half of it's poised, he's thinking it's mm. like
0: i'm about to ask a question and the look that i get 52 minutes 55 seconds the look that i w- w- what i read into this look is what the fuck have you gotten me into and i think he's looking <laughs> directly at henry Rollins there going what have you got me into how is this even possible that we've gotten into this situation and just
1: and then what makes our minute here so great is We've got what four or five seconds left. Yes. And then what we're about to go to I- again, completely <laughs> different. I mean, we're metres away from where we were in the kitchen. Yes. But look where we look at this different yeah. situation. And these here. guys
0: have come Happy out of the kitchen. Happy families. Happy families. Three seconds. Kids Kids at the table. Two kids, beautiful Michael Torre Two kids. His wife Elaine is with him. Oh, that's lovely. You've Flower, got
1: the the, they've got table number one or whatever. It, you know, they've got the flowers <laughs> on the table. They've yeah. got the bigger. Ra- everyone else is squished. Mm-hmm. Every other patron is all squished at the bar. These guys have the big table and just and all we see for our last second is uh, Macaulay bring his cup. Now, again, I don't know if it's coffee or tea. What do you think he's drinking here? Uh, it looks I don't like think it's hard liquor. I think it's coffee or tea. No,
0: it is definitely Chinese tea. It looks like a Chinese restaurant um, just based on the kitchen hands alone. Oh, yes. Um, and they've got like a nice round table. You know, looks ideal lazy for a ma- Susan. lazy Susan right <laughs> in the middle. Um, so, yeah, he's sipping tea. And
1: the dainty, you know, like I know little he doesn't cup. have the
0: actual thing. That's why I think it's Chinese tea. It's just this nice little, you know, delicious tea morsel you know helping that appetite g- get uh get that food through but and no, i
1: like what you said about when you're thinking what's happening concurrently in, you know in this universe of this film at this same moment what's happening so uh, uh, some minutes have passed since the kitchen and you know the wives have and kids have come to the table and what we don't see but we can just imagine what's happening in van Sant's office yes <laughs> you know what, what what's going through his head and we've just got mr cool here drinking his tea yeah king of all he surveys with his gang around him at the table. That final
0: look that's probably <laughs> 52 minutes fifth. I'm um, just going to take us back so like that we can see Four or five seconds it. back or yeah, something? Yeah, a couple of seconds back. That look... Um, from Van Zant. Yeah, from Van Zant to Hugh Benny. It's, it's pleading. And this is right now where you know, you're know you talking about that frantic world that we're not seeing. But this is the moment where he's like, I need you to tell me everything about this guy. Like, I need to find out everything because how much danger am I actually in? And so, you know, it's, it's in that moment, he's happy to walk out. But Neil has distilled such fear in him that he knows.
1: And yes, and I think Van Zandt's hoping against hope that <laughs> Dead Man's a figure of speech <laughs> and this guy's really not, you know, and it's like, okay, break it to me. D- does this guy have a trail of bodies behind him? Like, how scary is this? And um, yeah. I think he's
0: about he's to find out that oh, he's pretty scary.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: But scary guys like dinner with their wives.
1: Well, yes, yes. So but uh, also
0: in this universe, in the sequencing of time, before Neil has set this up, only one day, he's also made sure that Charlene is going to be at this dinner.
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes.
0: So I, I continue to love watching that Charlene's there and, well, and Charlene say, this and Charlene are happy families.
1: Just in our minute, what we've seen of Charlene is one second at the table, but the fact that she's, she's at the table... Yeah. Um, Hank Azaria's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, she's sort of left, you know, left that situation and the fact that she's sitting at the table, uh, I, won't, I won't go into the next minute, but in this minute we, the fact that she's even there just shows how uh, Macaulay is the king of all he surveys here and yes. um, what, what power he has to move all the pieces of his little gang around and have everybody where he needs them to be.
0: Do you like this movie?
1: I do I do, because when I first um, I first read a little bit about it before I watched it, and when I watched it when I watched it through the first twenty minutes or so it took me a bit to get into it, but once we got going and once we got up to about where we are like almost an hour, I was quite enthralled from then on and yes, it really but it didn't get me in the first five minutes, um, maybe
0: some people have gotten in the first thirteen. Yes. Once the first heist happens. Yeah,
1: and I think. Um, but what I'm more interested in, I'm not so much interested in all the the shoot up business. This is I'm what I and I and, I'm, part of and it. I'm
0: interested in. You, what you're yes. interested in. And
1: I'm it's, it, this whole um, moving the chess pieces around, the different, everyone outsmarting each other. The, the, I mean, beyond my minute here, just the whole. Um, Situa- we've got you know the Alpacine like these two dudes and you know scenes that they ha- subsequent scenes they have together are the most interesting part of it to me, and that's what I like, and I like these games, so it's it, what's interesting to me is how much is how scared how scared <laughs> um, Van Zandt is here <laughs> and i am, and I love the whole uh, the fact that we've got the family sitting down here compared to what we've seen of the bits of we haven't seen everyone, but the bits of family situations yes. we've seen. And then seeing here, it's it's j- it's fascinating. That's the my, the interesting part about it for me.
0: The characters,
1: yes, the, the characters, and the psychological stuff going on more than the more than the actual action. Like the thought that went into the planning of the thing that happened. Like I, I'm more interested thinking about that than how actually seeing ha-
0: that. How prepared are you to? And and also just the. I think for me, it's. It's so amazing to just be, s- a couple of times we've seen here, Neil's level of preparedness to be, I'm going to go to a payphone to make a call to Van Zandt to set the drop-up for this. But at the same time, I'm going to be casing Charlene hairless because I think... <laughs> She's having an affair.
1: Oh, and I'm getting my three dudes ready in their spots, you yeah, know, yeah, to do a, their bits. And I'm well. telling
0: the guys that when we have the setup, up, that I need a getaway driver, that I need someone on the roof here, and I need a backup at the escape route. Yeah. And so he's already thought those three moves ahead, and he's not wasting any opportunity now at a family dinner to make a call where he threatens to murder someone <laughs> at a place where he can't be tracked. <laughs> and so i think that that's like we all live these amazing uh you know especially in like the social media age it's like we live busy we're all busy right you know we have multitasking multitasking (laughs) families multiple jobs you know people you know especially if you're a writer and a writer about movies or a, a writer of movies and television you're sometimes having a day job just to pay rent and then you're freelancing in the evenings or if you're Lisa you sleep like in <laughs> 20 minute increments eight times a day or whatever the crazy schedule that she's got but th- what I love is that this guy is thinking so so calculated and just constantly running having things that run interference for the activities that he's doing so he, you know in that moment he, he's never wasting an opportunity to be making moves for the next thing while doing what he's doing
1: Yes, and what's actually interesting about that again, not in our minute, but when you're comparing, you know, Pacino's character and De Niro's character, we actually see we actually see when Pacino's giving his orders, like he's saying to his men, do this, set this up, do that, he's talking about what he's doing. So, they're both the same sort of brain. Yes. This is what's so interesting about the the opposites attracting, I guess, but being the same yes. in another sense, because they're both have very similar jobs here <laughs> in yeah. that They have to get all the pieces together in their chessboard and, you know, be in their positions. And that's what's interesting is, as you said, we are speculating, but it's, you know, we're not sort of... um, It's not pie-in-the-sky speculating. It clearly would have happened. All the stuff that, say, Macaulay, you know, um, De Niro had to plan. But then we just see the outcomes of it. We don't necessarily see all the planning. I know you say we see a few phone calls here and there, but all that stuff, oh, he had to do this. He had to even, you know... Somebody to book the restaurant, you know, whatever it is, whatever it had to happen.
0: He's already thought about it. Yeah, all
1: that's happened, where we actually see more of that happening. So you see, you know, you don't see what the crim's doing, but you see what the cop's doing with you. See all his other guys around, and when he's talking to the other police departments, and tell you know.
0: We yeah, we kind of you kind you kind of see what's cool is like you said you kind of see the outcome, but then the fact that the way the outcome unfolds, you get the inferences of, oh man, they really planned this. And it's like with the cops, they're just looking for those morsels, just tiny little things. And you do get to see little bits and pieces, but yeah, it's a, it's the, I don't know, it's this perennial balance of these two crews. They're sort of, they're, their orbits aren't ever quite touching. And when they finally yeah. start to get dragged in that gravitational pull together, that's when this movie just starts to explode and get fantastic. It's, I mean, look, it's already fantastic. Every minute up until now <laughs> has been fantastic, but, you know, there's a lot of minutes to go. Oh, yes. 120. Holy shit, there's like 120 minutes to go.
1: Wow. See, that's, that's you know, some, that's one and a bit times some films, you know. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> and, and, and one and a bit times some comedies that could be trimmed oh, by half certainly. an hour.
1: But I will say this, this. Some films that are 170 minutes are indulgent and you feel like th- there's, 40, there's 40 minutes that could be cut. There's nothing here that there's nothing, t- there's not too much here. And this is the thing. I mean, I haven't done a thesis on that, <laughs> like, no. like you have, so I'm not as expert on all his films. But I certainly, I can't think of, you know, 10 seconds that I would say is unnecessary here. Every little every little detail is uh, either telegraphing something, but not in an obvious way. It's just setting up all the pieces just to see this whole universe of how it needs to be. And... Yeah, it feels lean, even though it's two and or whatever hours. That's
0: Yeah, because I, I, I also som- sometimes get stunned just sitting here talking about it and going, God, we've done so much and we're still so... Like, it still feels like you're catching your breath or maybe this is where you, you know... Because it seems like they're so far away and it seems like the possibilities of them actually colliding are so far and it's literally in the forthcoming minutes that you're like, oh... They are on each other's tail. Oh, this is gonna there's get exciting! Of, there's a lot of
1: lot of setup happening, yeah. and as I think you know, um, we talked about earlier be, before we recorded about just how many speaking characters there are. There's a lot going on. Yes. In those in those initial, in you know first forty minutes. Yes. And, uh, but yeah, as I said, nothing nothing unnecessary. No sort of overindulgence. And
0: Lisa, you don't like violent films.
1: I know. Well, this is. The I know, I don't, but it's not, it's not over, I mean, I know there's a, f- you know, there's a few, uh, look, the the stuff with the Bonds earlier on, the first, yes uh, you know, that...
0: That's pretty disturbing. And
1: that was, well, I mean, you know, the whole they and can't hear because pla- there's blood in their ears, that a- was very, that was quite upsetting.
0: And it's played to be disturbing. Mm. I also think that casual violence
1: mm.
0: is, or... Um, Let's call it Marvel and DC (laughs) violence, where, like, an entire city is (laughs) levelled and there's no consequence for all of, like, hundreds of thousands of deaths. Um, That's way more disturbing to me than heat because heat feels scarily real.
1: Yeah, and look, and the thing is, when we talk about me not liking violent films, it's not a a moral objection to violence. It's not that sort of – it's not in a conservative way. It's a – I'm actually just squeamish. <laughs> like when I see somebody, uh, you know, when I see someone in pain, I feel empathy. <laughs> so it's more about that than, you know, I don't have a moral judgment about. Yeah, it. no. Um, it's just uh, it was like oh, and th- that was that's probably yeah quite upsetting. The b- but also the action part, the action part in the film, it's so clever. Like one of my favourite bits, and it's not in my minute, but early on, is when there's what seven or eight cars and all the winds. All the back windows. I, I, I mean, I'd love to know technically how they <laughs> manoeuvre that. But that's real. I mean, in terms of action, that is so cleverly done. Yes. And that's I, I admired the skill, the craft in that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So if
0: you ever see Lisa with a shape charge in Sydney, <laughs> it's because she really admired the craft and she wants to see if she can make it happen yeah. at a train station or a or a, or a Kmart <laughs> car park. Well, Lisa, look. Um. Have Have you ever talked? for 40 minutes about a minute of a film before
1: not a film not post a sing- 1945. <laughs> No. <laughs> well okay
0: what what's I, this is a great question i'm gonna i'm not gonna ask many other people this but just because you're an obsessive if you were going to go on an obsessive minute by minute journey of a classic film that you oh, adore
1: i know what it would be it would be my favorite film it's a wonderful life
0: it's a wonderful life yes it's fun. a wonderful minute there you go. You've heard it here first. I
1: could talk about that. I could talk th- for three hours about every minute in that film. Yes. Three <laughs>
0: hours about every minute. God, she's trying to outdo me already. She's only one <laughs> episode in. Um, yeah, look, uh, I think a true masterpiece can stand up to a minute-by-minute analysis. I think that um, I, I, I never thought that that was the thesis that I was going in with this for this podcast. It was just to talk about heat and talk about how great it is. But what I'm seeing in every single facet and every single minute is that it does.
1: Oh, and can I say, it's such – this is such a great idea for a podcast because I haven't seen – I haven't heard – I listen to a lot of podcasts, as you know. On one and a half speed. (laughs) That's how she listens to (laughs) so many. It's the only way to fit them all in. But (laughs) I have never heard such in-depth analysis, you know, minute by minute. But there's there's enough to say. It's not just – you know, I've heard some of your past episodes. It's not just – Crapping on—I mean, there's <laughs> really the stuff to talk about. This is what this is what's amazing, and that's why you know, congrats on such a great premise. Oh, it's Such a you. great idea for a podcast. Thank you.
0: Stu St- Cute was a big part in it, and look, there are some geeks out there in the world who've had the Star Wars Minute podcast and, uh, and have gone apeshit on uh, Star Wars, which is the uh, like, you know, that's a what I'd like to call as like an omnipresent, <laughs> you know, cultural entity that lives out there in the world. But uh, it really just started, at least, going. You know, like you just said, with it's a wonderful life. It's if I was going to do a podcast every day, what would I want to <laughs> talk about? And I said, well, to be brutally honest with you, if I had to talk about anything, I want to talk about hate. And so, how do you do that? Well, you find a <laughs> hundred and se- you break it down into a hundred and seventy-minute, hundred seventy bite-sized pieces. And it's yeah. actually, you know, you know, I, I'm probably going to get even more devastated to, as we start to ramp up and get this thing. You want to be really
1: sad when you get up to minute hundred and sixty, and it's oh like, it's
0: man. To an end. oh man, yes. oh my, my lordy, lordy. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to watch the ending again after at that hundred and sixty-third minute, because the ending is so powerful. I, I, I think that's, that's what I love about. All of this is that it's just reinforcing these characters and I think it's actually making it more meaningful for me because i'm I'm falling in love with all the characters I'm falling in love with all performers despite you know the deplorable roles that some of them like William Fickner play but I look at this just even his gestures just like he's uh, I love you pointed out his lips what a great actor that's got a command of lips to sort of make you feel like there's a perennial question on mm-hmm. his lips that he he won't he won't dare ask and you know, even just something like the precision of Val Kilmer's delicious hair or, you know, you know, it's, it's little tiny... And
1: his Harry High Pants jeans uh, at the beginning. Great
0: <laughs> Harry <laughs> High Pants jeans. Great Harry High Pants jeans. Um, but just little things in the minute. And it only takes one word, talking. Uh, talking. We're talking on this yeah. podcast, but it only takes one word, talking, to echo through the DNA of yep. an entire career. Yep. Um, but, yeah, do I think Michael Mann meant that? I think Michael Mann means everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think yes. I think that's one of the things I admire about great directors. It's like, could they m- could they have meant to do that? Yes, is the answer always? Yeah, of course they did because they're really fastidious, obsessive people. I love and all of his characters, save for poor uh, Van Zant here, who's a bit negligent. They're all fastidious and obsessive people.
1: And and just you know, on Mann there, one of the because I I'm, I'm particularly interested in casting. I used to work in casting. And the thing that is, is so interesting about it, when you cast a Robert De Niro, you're not just, you know, you're not just casting that role. I mean, you, you are clearly casting that role, but you are inheriting their history and, and everything they've done. So, yes. that, you know, that talk, uh, l- you know, like the thing with Tolkien, even if um, it's there, whether it's intended or not, in, in that it comes along with him. Yes. And this is the thing, and this is why...
0: And Ma- Michael Mann has said, when he made this into a feature... Al Pacino and Robert De Niro were the only Vincent Hanna and Macaulay. Oh, great. There was I didn't never know that. any yep. other, for those two leading yep. characters. Yep. And look, the rest of the cast is essentially up for grabs. Um, and there were massive also Oh,
1: pic- so he didn't do a big casting process. Like, he he had the, these guys in mind. from. The, wow.
0: And that you hear about, um, you know, there's a few others. You know, Ted Levine, um, terrific character actor, played Buffalo Bill, was offered the role of Wayne Grow. Okay. Um, uh, he didn't take it because he thought it felt like a bit of typecasting. Um, Tom Noonan had worked with Man before. Man has a as like you know like a Tarantino, like a Scorsese, like has a you There's know, a troop. Yeah, he has a troop that he often works with. You know, and you see that in Cronenberg's and you know those sorts of people. They sort of end up carrying a bit of a troop with them. Um, but those two guys were the only two guys for those roles, and then the rest of them were like, it's it's you know when you've got. 60 to 100 million, or whatever the budget was at the time. It was like, I'm gonna make this big crime movie. I've got these two massive actors, and then Man just had his pick of the litter after that. It was like, okay, cool. Val Kilmer, we've got to wait till he finishes Batman. Oh, yep. Ashley Judge, she's great. Yep, cool. Brennerman.
1: Well, that actually, with Val, that was the thing I was thinking. This is a relatively small role from mm. the stature that he had at that time. So clearly, you know, him taking on that role. That that's interesting choice because a lot of actors who were he was bigger at the time than his role suggests.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah he's massive. Yeah. but the the thing that I mean, it's a
1: great role. It's I'm not down there, but it's the fact that he took it. Because some you some know,
0: actors might not have taken it. Exactly, I agree. Yeah. But yeah. I would but I would say to be third billing on the two greatest actors oh, yeah, of the seventies, yeah. and you're yeah. like the third guy yeah. who's got the yeah. biggest and chunkiest and most dynamic role. Like he comes into he comes into this like it's his movie.
1: And he actually, just to unveil for a moment, he does get that, um, he does have a lot of range there. Like, even though, you know, I don't know if you added up how many minutes, you probably have a chart somewhere of how many <laughs> minutes he's in it, but uh, there is a lot I of don't range. but maybe I yeah, need one. There is a lot of range. Like I said, drunk on the, you know, from drunk on the catch, but also he's got the technical, it, it's the snipery. it's the gunsling yeah. and gun-toting stuff. And that's, that's, and that's mm. what
0: gun yeah. obsessives come back to this yeah. movie. And they, like, the way he changes a magazine in the middle of that heist is shown in marine school. They're like, this is how you change a magazine. People are obsessed with it. Yeah, these guys, it's, I don't know. Uh, Michael Mann, you know, I I feel like Michael Mann decided that he was going to be a method director and therefore part of his method was to make every performer that works with him to be method. And that's, that's why it's so delicious with, like, Tom Cruise in Collateral. You know that's why Tom Cruise is so fantastic in Magnolia because he's the biggest movie star in the world. You and know, actually
1: that's one of my would uh, uh, be my one top two or three of his performances. It's great. Oh, it's just uh, it's amazing. That everything from the ponytail. The ponytail. It's just yeah. I think that's amazing. yeah.
0: So you yeah. get you get those those great things. But look, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on to How One Hit Minute. You, I had a great time talking about this Well, look. We'd love you to come back. Would you come back for another episode? Let's do it. Let's do it, yes, guys. Thank close. you, thank you so much to Lisa. If you want to find Lisa, it's at Lisa Malibu. At Lisa Malouf on Twitter or the Limerick Review. You can find her delightful limerick reviews. <laughs> They're very good. Um, and also, Lisa chooses not to waste any time on terrible things, which is also good. Um, I've been Blake Howard. You can catch me at Blakey's Batman on Twitter. Thank you to Paul Davies for our theme song. Thank you to Gar Franklin for our web design. And thank you, guys subscribing, and rating, reviewing, One heat Minute, we'll be back, and holy sweet baby Jesus, we have 120 minutes, two hours to go, therefore two hours times about 30 minutes, I can't do the math, we'll be back with more One heat Minute, we'll catch you guys soon.